Father in heaven, we are so glad for our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the gladness you brought to our heart through his death, sacrifice on the cross, and his resurrection, and then his indwelling of each believer. And Father, there are times when we are sad, but Lord, I pray that through those times, we might continue to keep our eyes fixed on you, upon your Son, and know that you will give the grace in the time of need. And now, Lord, we ask your blessing upon the word as we bring it to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you'll take your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3 is we, we're continuing our series Steps of Elisha. Steps of Elisha. Now we come to another account, and it encompasses the whole chapter of here, chapter 3. And uh, what we're going to see is Elisha's uh, dealings with kings, with uh, the kings of Israel. And... Uh, and we, I, I believe the Lord has much to teach us um, in this passage. But if you'll look with me at verses 1 through 3. Now Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king over Israel at Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord though not like his father and his mother. By the way, does, you know what his father and mother is, right? Who they are? I'm sorry. So, did I say First Kings? Second Kings chapter 3. Right? Did, what chapter did I give you? First Kings. Second Kings. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, can we roll back the tape? Up there, thank you. <laughs> yes, Second Kings, chapter three, verses one through three. Second Kings, chapter three, one through three. Now, who's the loose cannon, right? Me. Uh, but here, yep, Second Kings, chapter three, verses one through three. Now, Jehoram the son of Ahab came, became king over Israel. At Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and reigned 12 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, though not like his father and mother. Now we heard who his father is, Ahab. Who was his mother? Jezebel, lovely woman. And uh, what a reputation. But notice he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as bad as his parents. For he put away the sacred pillar of Baal, which his father had made. Nevertheless, he clung to the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nabat, which he made king, which he made Israel sin. He did not depart from them. So here we have, we're, we're given the two kings reigning at this particular time in the life of Elisha. Jehoram, king of the north, 
the northern tribes. And then we have King Jehoshaphat, who was a man who sought the Lord. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord, Jehoshaphat, who was king of Judah. So that's, that's uh, basically sets up the background for what is about to take place. And so, verse 4. Then Misha, king of Joab, was a sheep breeder and used to pay the king of Israel a hundred thousand lambs and the wool of a hundred thousand rams. But it came about when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So I want you to picture this, okay? Everybody was afraid of Ahab. And so the Moabites were in fear of, of Ahab and, uh, and his fierceness. But Ahab died and his son took over, Jehoram. And when the son takes over the business sometimes, uh, you know, people can begin to think, oh, good, good. The, the, you know, the, the, the one we had trouble with, you know, he's gone. So now, now we can do what we want. And so at this point, Moab had been giving tribute to, the, uh, to Ahab and uh, the king of Israel and giving tribute by way of the, sh- the sheep and the, the, and the wool. And now he says, okay, good, he's gone. Son's on the throne. We won't have to worry about him. Uh, let's, we're, we're just going to stop giving tribute. And this... This upset the king of Joram, uh, king of Israel, Jehoram. And here he is, uh, you know, feeling offended that they would do this now that he is king. And so look at verse 6 with me. And King Jehoram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, saying, The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. What's Jehoshaphat saying here? Basically, He's been asked by the king of the north to join him to fight against Moab and be an ally. And Jehoshaphat hears it, and, and he looks at the situation, and he basically is saying to the king of Israel, we're all brothers, we're all Jews, and the Moabites, they're both our enemies. So, yes, I will join you. Now, yes, they were all Jews, but there was a problem. They weren't connected spiritually. King Jehoshaphat was not uh, living the way and, and leading the way Jehoram was leading. Jehoshaphat was following the Lord. King Jehoram did evil in the sight of the Lord. Suddenly, there's an alliance. And again, we know what that can do, right? Paul said, be not 
unequally what? Yoked. And that, that can include uh, a, biz- a business that you're going into. If the other person doesn't have the same morals and principles that you do, and that you're, 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 you, you both uh, don't have the same, um, same uh, vision of the Lord and purpose, and it can lead to all kinds of trouble, just like marriages that where one, a Christian marries an unbeliever, and then there's all kinds of trouble when they are united. And that's exactly what's going to happen here. And so we have Jehoshaphat saying, yes, I will go up with you. And so the king of Israel then asks Jehoshaphat the question, verse 8. And he said, which way shall we go up? In other words, which way are we going to attack Moab? And he answered, the way of the wilderness of Edom. The way of the wilderness of Edom. So Jehoshaphat had this idea. He says, we're going to go through Edom. Now, there there was a kingdom in Edom there. The Edomites lived there. They had an army. So I'm sure Jehoshaphat was thinking, hey, when we head up there, we'll ask the king of the Edomites to join us. Then we got a threesome. And that's exactly what happened. Look at verse 9. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. There he is. The king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom, the three kings. We should sing we three kings of Orionar. And they made a, a circuit of seven days journey. But here comes the problem. There was no water for the army or for the cattle that followed them. Verse 10. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. So at this point, what do we see? We see suddenly that Jehoshaphat's idea wasn't so great. He joined forces with ungodly kings and was going into battle. But what did he do? He led them into a wilderness area where there was no water. And there were men, the soldiers were thirsty, the animals were thirsty, the horses. What are they going to do? Where are they going to get water? So here comes the problem. And he says, basically, the king... Jehoram is saying, we're going to die out here. We're just going to die. What what is it that you see that, um, that it's hidden in here, but that that brought the whole problem, that caused this, this situation? It's that Jehoshaphat, notice, when he, he made a decision in verse 8, he gave the king of Israel an idea. And he said, let's go through the way of the wilderness of Edom. Do you notice what's missing in that verse? He didn't ask the Lord, did he? We don't see anywhere here that Jehoshaphat 
who was a, uh, who was a king that was seeking to follow the Lord and rule righteously. But here, he went ahead and thought, I can make this decision on my own. That I'm, I'm okay. I'm pretty smart. I'm pretty intelligent. Wow, the king of Israel is going to ask my opinion about this? Okay. And he just... And, I, and, and then we can see that just pride got a hold of him. Pride got a hold of him where the, to the point where he decided, well, here's a good idea. But he never consulted with the Lord. When was the last time you can recall, and I can recall very easily, a time when we made a decision, but we didn't pray about it? You know, a guy was talking about prayer. The importance of prayer. When was the last time we went ahead and made decision without praying about it and seeking the Lord's heart and asking him for wisdom to guide us and lead us and to direct our footsteps? Turn to James chapter 1 with me. Let's go to James together. <clears throat> James 1. <clears throat> And uh, look at verse 5. James chapter 1, we'll pick it up at verse 5. James writes, But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him just make the decision on his own. Is that there? No. What does it say? If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. There it is. The problem lies in my heart many times that I think I'm smart enough. I think I know enough. I have enough experience to go ahead and just make decisions and not ask the Lord for wisdom. And oh, how when I do that, how I've fallen on my face and there are consequences that I have to pay. Because I went and made decisions without asking the Lord for wisdom. And I look back and I realize, you know, and then we come to the Lord and say, Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, I realize now I made a mistake. I made a bad decision and I never asked you to lead, to guide, to give me wisdom. And so James is making it a point to instruct us that if we lack wisdom, who are we to ask? Not other people. Yes, we will get wisdom from other people, but ask of God. And what does God do then? He says he will give, her, give the wisdom generously. It will be given to him. So I just wanted to go there. Let's go back to 2 Kings chapter 3. <clears throat> But Jehoshaphat, now here are the consequences. He made the decision. He's in trouble with his two other buddies. And what is unique and, and fascinating to me is verse 10. Then the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings to give them 
into the hand of Moab. (laughs) Now, Jehoshaphat is the righteous king. But suddenly, the one who is living in idolatry and leading his people in idolatry, the king of Israel in the north, suddenly he says, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. And he brings up the Lord. Notice Jehoshaphat doesn't bring up the Lord, but Jehoram brings up the Lord. And suddenly he, he has this thought, oh my, the true God of Israel has allowed this to happen so that we might be conquered. So that when we go into battle, we won't have strength, we don't have water, so our horses will die, our men won't be able to fight, and we're going to be given into the hands of the Moabites. And that's, so right away, what does he do? Here's a king that, that knew of the Lord, but didn't follow him. But when the trouble came, he suddenly thought of God's judgment. He suddenly thought that God's, God planned this, you know, and he knew his own heart. But he believed that the Lord had set this up for their downfall. But then Jehoshaphat, verse 11. Now he responds. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And the one and one of the king's king of Israel's servants answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here who used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. So, suddenly, what do we see in our story? We see that Jehoshaphat realizes we need to seek the Lord now. We're in trouble. It's time to seek the Lord. And isn't that the case? After we go and make the wrong decisions and sin and do things without asking God... And then we get ourselves in trouble, and then we say, we turn to the Lord and say, Oh, Lord, by the way, can you help me now? And we're all, we are all guilty of that. Well, Jehoshaphat, at least he's turning to the Lord at this point. And so he's asking for a prophet. Is there a prophet around in, up in the north? Remember, they're up in the north, uh, northern Israel. And so he's not back in in Judea, but he's asking, is there a prophet around here? And notice none of the kings come up with Elisha's name, but it's a servant of the king of Israel. And a servant says, may I speak? I know a guy that's that's ministering around here. His name's Elisha. (coughs) And he's here. And what does he say about him? He says, He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Now, as soon as he mentioned the name Elijah, everybody's, you know, the king just said, Elijah, whoa, we know all about Elijah. He was the famous prophet that now he's gone, disappeared. But what, what what we see here is that Elisha has already begun to build up a reputation. That this servant 
knew of Elisha, and he says, yeah, he's the guy that used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. What does he mean by pour the water on the hands of Elijah? Basically, it means he served Elijah. While Elijah was on earth and ministering and prophesying for the Lord, Elisha went with him wherever he, go, wherever he went. Remember, he traveled with Elijah for 15 years. And so he was there with him. He would help, help him with anything even maybe washing his hands and things like that. But Elisha has built up a reputation that the people, many of the people, even in the north, knew who he was. And this should, uh, I, I believe, encourage us to be concerned about our reputations. And what do other people, uh, how do other people view us? And do other people think of us as they would say, Elisha? In other words, they're in trouble. They maybe you have a family member or a friend or somebody who has gotten into trouble, gotten into sin, and we we must ask ourselves: Would they come and seek me out? Because I represent the Lord in the way I live. I know some of you have, have had that happen. You know, where, where you've, you've had someone who doesn't know the Lord, but suddenly they're in trouble. Who do they come to? They come to the Christian. They come to you and says, what, can, can you help me? What, what should I do? And they ask you for advice because they know that you're walking with the Lord that you, you, you're seeking the Lord in your life and you're seeking to live for him. And, and that's exactly what was happening here. Elisha now has, has the reputation where who are they going to seek? They want to seek the Lord, but how are they going to do it? Through God's man, through God's prophet. And so Elisha is now going to come into the center of all this. Okay, so once his name is mentioned, we come to verse 12. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Edom, went down to him, went down to Elisha. Isn't it amazing that all three kings went together to see Elisha? That's called humility. I think they're they're going down and they're all three are going to try and persuade Elisha to help them to seek God, that God might come and, and help them. Verse 13. Now, Elisha, when the kings came to him, verse 13. Now, Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? <laughs> Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. Who's he talking about? The prophets of Baal. Remember that Elijah, Elijah went up against? You, why don't you go, what are you coming to me for? You know, you're, you're, you're living in idolatry just like your parents. Why don't you go get your prophets, their prophets? And the king of Israel said to him, No, for the Lord has called these three kings together to give them into the hand of Moab. So he repeats the same dilemma, the same vision he has, that we're dead. 
He's saying, Elisha, we believe that the God of Israel, your God, has brought us together so that we might be defeated. And so we are coming to you for help. And Elisha is saying, you know, you really didn't want anything to do with the Lord, my God, who I serve, but now you come to me? But remember, sometimes we will have, have those people who aren't, don't know the Lord. They will run to you and ask you for help, ask you to maybe say a prayer for them. And that is the time we need to be ready to help them, not judge them, but to help them. And that's, you know, uh, that's exactly what I think uh, of when, when Linda gives her testimony and shares her prayer request. Of, uh, of her nieces and nephews. She's concerned about their spiritual life, their spiritual well-being, their spiritual condition. And, and she has become that person that, that they can go to. The one person in their lives that knows, really knows the Lord. And, and no doubt that in their troubles, there are going to be times that they're going to come more and more to Linda because of her reputation and because she is a woman of God, because she's concerned about their spiritual well-being. How beautiful is that? Let us be ready like Elisha to say, well, even though you're not following the Lord, I, I will help you. And so he's going to help in the name of the Lord. And so, at this point, verse 14, Elisha then says, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I just, I love that phrase. As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. I mean, he realizes where he is and who's watching over him and that the Lord God is alive and Elisha, though he's standing before the kings, he's really standing before God. And if we would just remember that when we are, when we are in situations that we're, we are serving the Lord of hosts who is alive. And we're standing in, in his presence. He says, before whom I stand. Were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah... I would not look at you nor see you. In other words, he's saying to the king of, of Israel, I, I'm going to help you. But you know why? It's because the guy with you who made a mistake, the guy who made the decision outside the will of God without checking on the Lord, but because his heart, he really does have a good heart, and he's, and he's a man after God's own heart, because of him, King Jehoshaphat, I then will help you. So he, I hear, here's the wonderful thing, is that Elisha was going to act on behalf of Jehoshaphat and help the three kings together. And so what does he say next? Verse 15, and this is uh, where we want to, uh, the, the next few verses, the next two verses are... Uh, quite unique in what Elisha is going to ask. 
here, verse 15. But now, okay, here's, here's the solution. How are we going to fix this? How's the Lord going to fix this? He says, now, bring me a minstrel, <laughs> a musician. And it came about when the minstrel played, what's next? The hand of the Lord came upon him, came upon Elisha. Wow. What does Elisha ask for? He says, I want music. I want worship music. I want someone to come here and play before the Lord and, and bring praise. And as he called upon the musician to play, it may have been a harpist. Uh, we don't know what kind of instrument he played, but he came and played. And, and then what happened? The Lord came upon Elisha. When the music played, when somehow Elisha knew that to go into the presence of the Lord, uh, to worship him, music is an important part. And uh, that's why our, our worship music here at Jonestown Bible Church, I believe, is second to none. And we are so blessed with so many musicians and singers in our choir. We're, we're blessed like, like many churches are not. But what do we do on a Sunday morning or Sunday night when, when we sing together? We're lifting up our voices in praise to the Lord, and we're worshiping him. And that is when the Lord will bless. That is when the Lord will begin to move by his spirit, when we are doing it, uh, worshiping in the right way and using music. Music has always been used as an instrument uh, in the scriptures to, to prepare the way and prepare hearts for the battle. Turn to Second Chronicles chapter 20 with me. It's not far, just uh, over to Second Chronicles, chapter 20. Second Chronicles 20, verse 20. <clears throat> Here we have the occasion, and it is, this happens to be a battle that Jehoshaphat is involved in, the king in our story of Judah. Verse 20, and they, they're up against an, a great enemy. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they stood out, uh, when, when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in his prophets and succeed. Remember, this is the king. Jehoshaphat is the one who, who said, is there a prophet around here that we can call upon? And so here, this reveals the true heart of this king, Jehoshaphat. Well, what does he do next? Verse 21, when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in holy attire as they went out before the army. And said, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness 
is everlasting. What, did it, what, what basically was he doing? He was putting the praise group in front of the army and said, we're going to battle. But guess what? We're going to go to the battle praising the Lord. Oh, that this might, might be a lesson for us tonight. That as you go to face the battles this week, that you and I might go with praise in our heart. This is what the Lord would desire of me, that I would have a heart full of praise. And he says, what, what, are those, what is that song to be? It's songs that praise the Lord. And what is it? Give thanks to the Lord, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Songs of praise and thanks. And how often I don't end up singing. When was the last time you can recall just singing when you were stressed? Singing when you were in trouble? Singing when, when the bottom collapsed and, and suddenly you got bad news or, or a relationship problem? Something happened. When was the last time we actually began to sing a hymn or a song in the time of trouble. You know, a guy mentioned our brother, Denny Malfair. And I talked to him yesterday, and he said, I'm not ready to be able to come back to church yet, but maybe a week from now, he'll, come, he'll be back here Sunday night. He's now able to get around with just a cane. But he shared with me, he said, he said, uh, just just had a, a rough past few days, he said. Um, he said, this Thursday is our anniversary, Lois and mine's 44th wedding anniversary. And he says, and I'm down. I've been down, and I'm struggling. And he, he, he shared with me, he said, he said, and this is the second year in a row that I haven't been able to have her with me for our to celebrate our wedding anniversary and he says and he says i've broken down and i've i've called upon the lord but he said but i i i just begin to sing a hymn he begins to sing a hymn he knows the hymns and he began to he says i i just begin to sing a hymn he's got a devotional that is a devotional that comes with a, a devotional for the day, and on the other page is the words to one, one of the great hymns. And it relates to the devotional. But he says, I just start singing, and when I sing, that is when God brings me peace. That is when I feel I'm worshiping the Lord. And I feel his presence ever so near. And suddenly, there's a calmness in my heart. And I hear as if he says, it's going to be okay. I'm with you. I am going before you. And this is, this is a reminder for all of us to go into the battle praising the Lord. With, with, though we may have a, a torn, broken heart, that we would have a song in our hearts still, a song of praise to our God. And so that's exactly what happened. And look at verse 28. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 22. And when they began singing and praising, something happened. 
The Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come up against Judah, so they were routed. What did they do? Verse 23, the sons of Ammon and Moab rose up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, destroying them completely. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped to destroy one another. What did God do? They had the enemy turn against themselves. God had, God had moved when praise began. And oh, that I might remember that. Lord, when I praise you, that is when you will begin to move. Because what, is, what really is praise and worship? Praise and worship, true worship, is an act of faith, is it not? Is it not an act of faith? When I choose to praise God in the midst of the battle, or before I'm going into the battle, when, when, when the storm is raging around me, and that's when I choose to praise, what am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm making an act of faith. I'm demonstrating my faith in the Lord. Lord, I believe you're going to help me through this, and you've got a victory. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm going to trust you. And, and that is truly an act of faith. So let's go back. If you go back to me, we want to wrap this up and conclude our story. Go back to Second Kings chapter 3. So Elisha had a minstrel come out and play, and that's when the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. <clears throat> and then the, the Lord, of course, gave Elisha this idea to, to tell the kings. Verse 16, And he said, Thus says the Lord, Make this valley full of trenches or ditches. That's it. Just go, make, go dig ditches, guys. Now, here are the, here's the, the king's. And they're hearing Elisha, and, and Elisha tells them, oh, this is what you're going to do. Send your men out and dig as many ditches as you can in the valley. <sighs> How crazy is that? Who would do such a thing? You know, it makes no sense. Because, uh, and the ditches, he's go, look what he's going to say. What, what they're used for. Verse 17. Thus says the Lord... You shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain, yet the valley shall be filled with water, so that you shall drink, both you and your cattle and your beasts. He's saying, stand back and watch God do something that will blow your mind. Go dig the ditches, and then stand and watch what God will do. He's going to fill up those ditches, ditches with water, but there's not going to be any rain. How crazy is that? It, it, it makes, they, 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 you know, it, what, why is God doing it this way? Well, he wants to show them that he's going to get the glory for the winning of the battle. That he's going to do this and nobody else gets the credit. But notice, God could have made the ditches. He, God could have just said, you know, let there be ditches. Let there be trenches. And suddenly they'd pop up everywhere. Couldn't God do that? Yes. What did he do? No, he made them go dig the ditches. Why would he do that? 
He did it to test their faith, saying, okay, this is what I want you to do before I do something. I want you to go dig those ditches. And they could have said, this is crazy, Elijah. We're not doing that. Our guys are tired. They haven't had water, and they're going to go dig ditches. Now, let's think of another way. They could have done that. What did they do? No, they went and dug the ditches, and it was an act of faith. And God will call us, you and I, to do some things sometimes that may seem crazy, may seem they they don't make sense. But yet God is saying, but this is an act of faith and I want you to do it. Trust me and do it and see what I will do. So this was an act of faith. And look what Elisha then says in verse 18. He says, and this is but a slight thing in the sight of God the Lord. He shall also give you the Moabites into your hands. Wow. What does he say? Take this with you tonight, dear friend. This thing that you're about to see happen is just a slight, small thing in the sight of God. And whatever your pain is tonight, whatever you're struggling with, may you and I take this view as Elisha did and realize that my problem is just a small thing to God. He can do anything. My God can do anything. And so to God, this my problem, he can fix that in a second if he chooses to. Will I trust him? Will I trust him? And they trusted him. And Elisha was going in the name of the Lord. And then verse 19 And verse 20, then you shall strike every fortified city and every choice city and fell every good tree and stop all the springs of water and mar before every good piece of land with stones. So they were going to cut off the the cities of the uh, the Moabites and so they wouldn't get water. And it happened in the morning about the time of... The offering of the sacrifice, time of praise, that behold, water came by way of Edom, and the country was filled with water. God did it. God did it. Here, the Lord wants us to trust him, to don't lean on our own understanding, but ask for wisdom, when we are about to to make decisions and we're up against it, to go to the Lord, pray and seek his face. And that is when God will work and do something that we never dreamed possible. He will intervene and he'll work things out in our life for his glory. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for once again allowing us to follow the footsteps of Elisha And realize what faith is. Father, I pray that we might walk by faith, not by sight. And trust you with the outcome as we face the battles in our own personal lives this week. Bring grace and comfort to your people. And may we go with a song in our heart. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.